Disclaimer. All views expressed on this podcast represent the host and his guest and not the companies or agencies they are associated with. This is Tony's Game Lounge, a weekly podcast that covers news throughout the gaming industry and a variety of topics. Here's your host for the show, Tony Erickson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Tony's Game Lounge. I'm your host, as always, Tony Erickson. And joining me this week, we got TikToker, Twitch streamer, and Candy Bar, Almond Joy. Hello. <laughs> Very happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing tonight? I am doing pretty well. Just uh, finished off the week and happy to be going to the weekend after yes. Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, it is uh, after American Thanksgiving now. Uh, and also Black Friday. Uh, has passed uh you the listeners uh the earliest you are listening to this is cyber monday hope you got some good deals i didn't get a ton um i don't really do a lot of the black friday shopping because especially with uh, the lovely panorama that we're living in right now uh, i try not to be around a lot of people the lovely um, panera bread yes <laughs> um so i might i might save my money for some cyber monday fun so we'll see probably just going to buy a lot more games that I won't play for months. Ah, <laughs> uh, that is the true struggle of the gamer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, since you're brand new here, we get to play some interrogations, or I guess uh, I get to interrogate you a little bit. Uh, so what is your favorite video game, video game character, and video game soundtrack? Um, I would say my favorite game. I do have a few, especially this past year. Um, I really like the Persona series, which is a JRPG. Yes. Um, I also really like Disgaea, which is a very different JRPG. Um, and more recently, I've really been into Hollow Knight, um, which is a great indie game. It's making a huge comeback right now after, I think, being released in 2017 or 2018. But yeah, it's definitely a really a great lot game. Of, uh, there's a lot of hype for the Silk Song expansion or deal. Is, is, is it its own game or is it like a DLC? It is its own game. Um, there's a lot of speculation whether it's a prequel or a sequel um, mm. because you're playing as a different character Yes, um, that appears in Hollow Knight. Um, but I think it looks more like it's probably a prequel to okay. Hollow Knight. Oh, that'll be interesting. I definitely will try to pick that up because I loved playing through Hollow Knight. It yep. was, it was it, like, I love it just because of its movement alone. And just, like, yeah. the atmosphere it gives off to is just so good. Yeah, it really feels like the world existed before you came into it and you're kind of just moving around in it. Um, while it kind of, it doesn't want you there, but it kind of, it makes it feel like it wouldn't matter if you were there or not. The world's going to keep going, whether you're there. Like, that's what the beauty of Metroidvanias are. Yeah, definitely. Very much definitely. Uh, What about video game character? Characters specifically? Um, I'm going to sound like a Persona shell now, but lately, um, a character I've really been liking is Akechi from uh, Persona 5. So he is kind of our main rival. Um, I don't know if you don't want spoilers or anything. I mean, but... I mean yeah, main rival is, a, I guess, the good way to put it for those who haven't played. Pers- Are you playing through Royal or just standard Persona? Or have you played through Royal or just standard Persona 5? 
So I'm actually not playing it myself because I am not a patient person, but I've been watching my boyfriend play through Persona 5 Royal. Okay, um, cool. I've been okay, enjoying good. it a lot. I've literally been watching him every step of the way, so it kind of feels like I'm playing it, but without any of the work. Royal um, is definitely the better experience. It's also like 10 times better just because of level grinding. It actually is it's so much better level grinding of what I've heard because I only played Royal, but then I did some reading up. I'm like, so what are like the big differences between like the two games aside from like the extra story stuff that they put in? And it's like a big thing, um, which is one of like Ryuji's skills that when you get by just leveling up his confidant is like when you, you can run over enemies and just instantly get the experience money, and if you have empty Persona slots, the Persona for it as well. It's one of my favorite things. It's yeah, so funny. In, the, in the base game, you could not do that. Uh, or if you did yeah. do that, you only got the Persona. You got no money, you got no experience. You yeah. had to fight every yeah. single thing. And it was like, oh yeah, no, that's ten times better. Mm-hmm. One of the things that my boyfriend pointed out, because he's played... The- uh, the base Persona 5 game. Oh, cool. Um, he did say that some of the confidants and the level ups have changed and have gotten a lot better. And just some of the quality of life stuff in the game has improved as well. Like um, one of the big differences that I noticed when I was reading the differences is like Morgana doesn't tell you to go to bed as often. Like you actually have freedom to do stuff at night. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. It's very nice. It's, it's mm-hmm. super nice. It's a super fun game to just do everything in. Yeah, and um, I know you were asking what my favorite video game soundtrack or OST is, and at the moment, I would say it's either Persona 5, or I really like the Nier Automata soundtrack. I played that on stream a few months ago, and it's like, it's so beautiful, and it like really pulls like these really strong emotions, because during some of the more dramatic cutscenes, it like, it really hits you right in the feels. I've heard a lot of good things about Nier Automata and just like the Nier games in general. Still have never picked one up. Uh, I would definitely, my brother, um, because I have two older brothers and they're both gamers as well. <laughs> but um, the one closer to my age, um, he uh, played Replicant when it came out. And he said, if I liked Automata, then I would like Replicant as well. But uh, I haven't gotten around to playing it yet. Alrighty, Good to know. All right, and that's interrogations. Now it's time for us to jump into uh, kind of the biggest story of the week. It's the headline of the week, and uh, oh boy. Uh, So obviously, uh, we've covered on the podcast before the whole Blizzard, Activision Blizzard thing that's been going on. Um, And that's uh, even more things are going on with that. The CEO, it's like they tried to get him to step down. Now, by the sound of it, he's not going to be stepping down anytime soon possible rumors like it's 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 still very messy there it's still not looking good uh but it looks like we're getting a new lawsuit that's gonna happen soon playstation of all things they're now facing a gender discrimination lawsuit a former security analyst for the sony interactive entertainment they're suing them for gender discrimination and wrongful termination as well the California filed lawsuit is seeking class action status to include all, any other women impacted by the alleged gender discrimination at Sony. In the lawsuit, the former IT security analyst Emma Majo or Majo or Ma is it's M-A-J-O. Uh, there's multiple ways to pronounce that, and they didn't uh, give the exact pronunciation, so I'm just going to go with Majo. Uh, said the women at the company were not paid equally to male employees with similar titles and roles and were denied promotions and equal compensation. She alleged that Sony tolerates and cultivates a work environment that discriminates against female employees. What are your thoughts, Joy? 
Um, I mean, as a female in the gaming world and in the esports world, I can definitely, I, my heart goes out to all these women that have been facing this discrimination and these hardships because I've definitely faced it myself, um, especially in the esports industry. Just um, you really have to earn that respect, even though um, it really should be on equal footing, but it is so much harder to really gain that respect from your peers um, especially your male peers. And I've heard from numerous other women in this industry how difficult and how like behind the scenes it can be even worse than some of these news outlets might be um, letting on about. And it's, it's really frustrating that even in 2021, this is this kind of thing hasn't been solved. Yeah, you you would think like it's been like how many years now that they, we would have this solved? So I'm more surprised that like we just... Like, why can't we get that figured out? Like, come on, it's not that hard. It's because um, if you speak up, then you can be labeled as, like, am I allowed to swear? Oh, yes, Um, absolutely. Yeah, you could say. You can be labeled uh, as a bitch or a hard ass and be like, oh, she's just being a whiny woman. But it's like, well, I'm speaking, like, clearly this is the reason why we need to speak out is because you're just going to write us off as being whiny because we're women um, when in reality this is an ongoing issue that people are just trying to sweep under the rug. Yeah, let's not sweep it under the rug. Let's be vocal and let's change the world for the better, people. Yes, I agree. Uh, and, and gentlemen, back up your queens because they need all <laughs> your support too. Yes, I'm very lucky to have a very supportive partner um, Hell yeah. who comes with me to almost every event that I go to. Hell yeah, let's go. Awesome. Anything else you want to add on this? Um, That's really all I have to say right now. We'll see um, how this develops. Yes, we will see how this develops. This is, uh, like I said, this has just started. Um, so far, Emma has is the only person that has come forward with this, and but they're making it class uh, by making this a class action status. They'll they'll be able to have more women come forward from within Sony. Um, interactive entertainment, and this will definitely be a story that we try to follow just uh, whenever I see updates for it. Looking forward to hearing more updates from you. Yes. Uh, with that, uh, it's time for, to figure out what else has been going on in the world of video games, card games, and board games. It's time to jump into the week in review. Covering news from the world of video games, TCG, and board games, this is the week in review. And this past week, some of the games that came out last week, legit, there were like only four games that came out last week, uh, including Lens Island, Farming Simulator 22 for the consoles, and Death's Door for the PlayStations and the Switch, which Death's Door looks like a phenomenal game. I've heard a lot of great things about it. Um, go play Death's Door if you haven't yet, because I and I'm, I'm, I'm planning on getting it. It's just y- your boy still has a lot of Yakuzing and Pokemoning to do. I definitely have heard of Death Store. I'm actually I'm uh, looking it up really quick because I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't want to say it's, what I think um, it is. And then you play wrong. as like a, a little crow, <laughs> a little bird. Okay, yeah. okay. I I thought that was the right game. Okay. It it just looks so cool and like legit. There's like a if you cut a sign accidentally, you can still interact with it, and you only you're only able to read the bottom half of the sign, which is really funny. That's a cute detail. I like it's that. A, it's such a cute detail. It's it's soup. I, I'm like that. It, it's soup. No, it's it's super <laughs> great. <laughs> um, in the world of news, um, I guess starting off in the world of uh, everybody's least favorite game, unless you're under the age of 14, Fortnite. 
Um, chapter two is closing. Uh, the closing event for chapter two is December fourth. Um, so the whole that whole multiverse shebang will be wrapping up, and we're going to see what the fuck is coming next. I have nothing to contribute on that topic. <laughs> yeah. Um. In weird DLC news. Lawn Mowing Simulator has released the Ancient Britain DLC pack, allowing you to mow the lawns of uh, ancient European structures and castles and stuff like that. So, uh, I I think, oh yeah, Lawn Mowing Sim, uh, we talked about this, I think, at the very beginning of this season when it was coming out. Uh, back with Ninja Frog. So uh, to all the dads out there who don't own a lawn, hey, now's your chance to go mow that lawn uh, on your PC. <laughs> um, in some Epic Games news, they have purchased rock band developers Harmonix, who will now be working on Fortnite as well for some music-wise. So at least Fortnite might have some better tunes going forward, possibly. Silver lining. <laughs> Silver lining, Yeah. In uh, some more crossover news, Chun-Li and Ryu from Street Fighter, they've joined Ubisoft's Brawlhalla roster. Um, their free-to-play platform fighting game. That's that's pretty cool. It, it's a decent game. It's not really good. It's not bad, though. It's very think, mid-tier, for, in my opinion. I think it's pretty hype. I When I was with my previous esports organization, Rectify Esports, um, we actually had two of the top, I believe they were top five or top ten players in the world for Brawlhalla signed. Oh, damn. Um, And so in 2019, I um, was given the opportunity to uh, get flown out to DreamHack Atlanta um, to do coverage on how our players did in that tournament. And it was the world tour for Brawlhalla. And so um, DreamHack was like the champion. That was like the final spot on the tour. And they got second in doubles, I believe. I don't know how they did in singles, but they're they're one of the best doubles teams out there. So okay, I'm damn. a little more biased biased towards okay. Brawlhalla. Okay, I, I guess I guess I haven't really looked into the esports side of Brawlhalla. So that, damn, that's okay. Okay then. I think it's pretty niche. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I feel like it. it is because like being like a free to play game, where like in order to like get like a good chunk of the characters, you gotta pay and whatnot. It's kind of like, well, okay, well, why not just make the game full price then and just include all the characters? Is what it is. In anniversary news, Hitman 3's one-year anniversary is a little two months away-ish. So IO Interactive has announced that some new maps and uh, other things are coming to the game in the new year. Um, And uh, this is a big thing because back when they released the Seven Deadly Sins expansion slash dlc for hitman 3 uh they didn't use any new maps there were no new maps included it was all the old maps just new missions so this is kind of big people are excited for some new maps to kill people with and do fun stupid sandbox shit because that's what hitman is in kojima news hideo kojima is opening a studio out in LA to work on some new projects, including movies. Awesome. I'm intrigued by this because I think a Hideo Kojima movie might actually, I feel like it'll be trippy AF just because of like, and I feel like the character names are going to be super weird because of Death Strand, what Death Stranding gave us. I want to see a trailer for something first, but I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued and I'll definitely keep an eye on what Kojima does for his Hollywood debut. 
Yeah, I'm very uh, interested to see what uh, comes out of that. Uh, speaking of Hollywood and, or, and uh, stuff, Amazon Prime, they're reportedly close to making a deal for to make a Mass Effect adaptation for their streaming service. So uh, another thing I'll be intrigued in, um, definitely want to see if they get it and uh, who they'll cast for Shepard and all of those characters. And spooky game update, Phasmophobia. They're teasing some voodoo and summoning circles for its Christmas update. So now you can spend uh, your Christmas hunting ghosts. That's pretty cool. The best way to spend Christmas. Never played Phasmophobia. Uh, props to people who enjoy it and do. I'm not one to play scary games. I okay, prefer watching. Okay, so I'm not a big scary game person either. I played Phasmophobia on Halloween. It's honestly not that scary. It doesn't look that scary. It looks pretty goofy from what I've seen. Oh of yeah, it. like Just if you play with if you play with style. friends, if you play with mm-hmm. friends, it's legit not scary at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're just goofing around. Because you can just do so much. Uh, like you, you'll get like spooked here and there, but it, you'll laugh. It's like easy to laugh off afterwards. Yeah, that's what it looks like. A lot of fun. And if you get if you get good at the game, it's like also like it's like okay, cool. I'm done with this now. What? <laughs> Um, and lastly, and I guess the odd story of the day, rats are the newest uh, mammal that can now play the video game Doom. Uh, Victor Toth, or Toth, a neuroengineer, has built a VR setup for rodents from scratch and trained uh, three rats in an automated fashion without manual intervention to traverse a corridor rendered in the Doom 2 engine. So they basically just run on this little ball and it... Uh, what they see is like the Doom hallway and they just move down through it. It's very interesting to see. And I'm just like, oh, wow. So this is what science has done today. Neat. Let's say, hmm, can we, can we be uh, doing th- more productive things than teaching rats how to play video games? Um, Probably. We, we, well, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's still cool. <laughs> it, it's very cool. Yes. Science. Teach rats to play video games. And also, send the billionaires to space. Exactly. Ah, what the world has come to. Uh, and that's really about it for the video game news. In the world of TCG, for Pokemon uh, Brilliant Stars, that's its next uh, TCG pack. That is getting released on February 25th. Uh, with the OCG of, uh, version of that coming out in January, those will feature the new V-Star cards. Um, and hopefully we'll have more information on V-Stars next month. Uh, hopefully. Because people are still wondering, what the fuck is a V-Star? In the world of Yu-Gi-Oh!, we got a bunch of packs, uh, coming out soon. Uh, Grand Creators Booster Box, that's, uh, coming out on December 3rd. Hidden Arsenal Chapter 1 comes on January 28th. The Battle of Chaos on February 11th. Structure Deck Albash Strike on March 11th. And Ghosts from the Past on April 22nd. As well... Um, to celebrate 25 years of Yu-Gi-Oh, a retro, official retro dual disc was released uh, for its anniversary. It's a limited release. It was uh, $130 US. Um, so if you're still able to get your hands on one, try to get your hands on one. Because goddamn, I would spend that money for a dual disc. When they say retro, do they mean like the Battle City kind of dual yeah, disc? Yeah, Battle like City. The- okay. I have one of the original run ones that Dang. I spent, I think, $120 on anyway. Oh, okay. So, so hey. I had no idea that they were re-releasing them. Well, hey, you, uh, you, at least you know you didn't get scammed. Yes. 
I mean, I know people who are selling those original ones for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars more. So I got a good deal. You got it. That's a really good deal. Um, And also in the world of Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Rush Duel Dawn of the Battle Royale. Hey, it's a new video game uh, featuring the characters from Yu-Gi-Oh! 7s. It's going to be a Switch game from the looks of it. Possibly Switch exclusive, if not Switch timed exclusive. That comes out on December 7th. Um, So if you play Duel Links, it's basically just going to be Duel Links on the Switch, just with the new Yu-Gi-Oh! 7 mechanics, i.e. just all the Yu-Gi-Oh! 7's cards. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, we also have that ma- the new Master Duel game that's coming out uh, next year as well, which I'm oh, looking forward to. That was next year. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to all of those. Definitely gonna maybe watch some gameplay when it comes out for the Rush Duel game to determine if I'm going to pick it up or not, because Sevens is kind of weird. I still don't know how I feel about Sevens. I'll be honest, I have not watched it. Yeah. Uh, in the world of Magic the Gathering, hey, Arcane, uh, the the League of Legends TV show, has been a huge popular thing. And guess what? Magic the Gathering and Riot X Arcane, they're collaborating for the Secret Lair X Arcane set and the Secret Lair X Arcane Lands set. Both will be available on November 29th till December 23rd on the Secret Lair site. And uh, yeah, so go get those if you're into some crossover stuff between Magic the Gathering and Arcane. Uh, and nothing really new in the world of board games. Uh, it is the holiday season, so all the news articles are like, what games should you buy? I've been looking into some new games to buy, but um, I'm trying to save my money, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you if you're aver- if you play, play a lot of online stuff, get your friends some Tabletop Simulator, because then you can play board games with them anytime, anywhere, as long as you're both at your computer. So not anytime, anywhere, but most times... At the it's on sale at a right singular now. Place. It is on sale. A lot of games it's 50% are on sale. 50% off. So now's the best time to play tabletop or buy tabletop simulator. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, and that is uh, the week in review. That's everything that's been going on this past week. As the year does slow down, so do a lot of the news stories uh, and whatnot. So things should start picking back up. You'll probably see us getting bombarded with headlines come March, April. Uh, as that's usually when the gaming seasons kick off. Uh, but now it's time to move on to what is coming out uh, next week. Here's what will be out from November 29th to December 5th. That should be on your radar. From AAA titles to upcoming indies and random shovelware, here's what's coming out next week that should be on your radar. Uh, starting off on Monday, Oddworld Soulstorm comes to the Series X and Xbox One. On Tuesday, Beyond a Steel Sky comes out for all the consoles, and Evil Genius 2 World Domination comes out on the PlayStations and the Xboxes. No game releases on Wednesday, but on Thursday, Solar Ash makes its way to the PS5, PS4, and PC. Anvil, Vault Breakers, comes to the PC, as well as Century of Age, Century Age of Ashes. And Warhammer 40k Battle Sector comes to the Series X, Xbox One, and PS4. And lastly, on Friday... Chorus comes to the Series X, Xbox One, PS5, PC, and Stadia. Danganronpa Decadence and Danganronpa S Ultimate Summer Camp both come to the Switch. Mobile Suit Gundam Battle Operation Code Fairy Volume 3 comes to the PS4 and PS5. Unreal Life comes to the Switch. Disney Magical World 2 Enchanted Edition comes to the Switch. And Happy's Humble Burger Farm comes to everything except the Switch. 
Uh, big games this week. I, I guess the biggest game this week, depending on your, uh, if you play the games or not, is Danganronpa Decadence, uh, being the uh, collection of Danganronpa 1, 2, and V3 for the Switch. And then Danganronpa S, the f- mini game in V3, now turned into a full game. Huh, I did not know that they were coming to the Switch. Maybe I should uh, pick those up. I am a few chapters into Danganronpa 1, uh, Trigger Happy Havoc. What, what chapter are you on? Stream. I will be starting chapter 4 uh, coming this week. So I'm three chapters in. I've been trying to do one chapter per stream, but uh, they get long. <laughs> here's here's a good thing. Danganronpa 1, it's very doable still. When you get to Danganronpa 2... The first chapter is, I mean, actually, no, there, that's where it's like you may have to divide up the, uh, the school life and the deadly life separately a little bit. And then with V3, it's almost guaranteed you're going to need to split things up unless you plan on doing really long streams. That is what I've heard. Yeah. As a guy who's currently in the middle of V3, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, don't get me started on Ultra Despair Girls. Which oh, I is, forgot about that one. Yeah, this it's it's the weird one. It's it's a shooter. It's not like the others. Mm-hmm. It's it's, yeah. it's key plot points though. If you need to, because for the story, it's, it's and you need it to watch Danganronpa three, which is kind of dumb because it's really only one episode that you oh, need it for. I thought they were all standalone stories. I mean, I know they're all kind of related. They're but... all so Danganronpa one. If you just play that, you're like, man, that was a good story. And then you just play Danganronpa 2. The first game comes into it because Danganronpa 2 is like the actual sequel to it. Just just a different group. But there's things that tie into the first game. Ah, uh, I see. Danganronpa Ultra Despair Girls is like, hey, what happened in between the first two games? And then when you're done all those three things, you can then watch the Danganronpa 3 anime. I was planning on watching the the animes after I complete the games. Yes, uh, you, you, just, you just need to complete those three games, and then you can watch the anime, and then you can hold because V three is entirely different. That you do not need anything from those four pieces of media at all to ah. play V three. So uh, that yeah, so that that's why you could do because the first three games of the anime are all tied to Hope's Peak Academy in some way. Gotcha. Whereas V3, it's like, I think it's like an alternate universe or something like that. If I find out that there's like some relation and you need to have all of those other things to eat to play V3, I, I, I'm going I'm to I'm go to Spike Chunsoft and say, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I uh, Granted, I don't know a ton still, even though yeah, <laughs> you're still a newbie in this. I know things that uh, will mend your mind. Oh, boy. Uh, just know that, uh, I, I'll let you know this, the best boy and the best... Okay, no, no, best boy is Biakia. What am I talking about? I agree. Right, yes. <laughs> best boy is Biakia, despite him being a big asshole. Uh, he is still best boy, but best girl is in uh, Danganronpa 2. That's what I've heard. I don't remember who it is, but... Uh, I mean, I'm not, yeah. it's just it's just a character name. Her name is Chiaki. And she is okay. the best girl because she is the ultimate gamer. Ooh, okay. And also her sprite is hella adorable. I feel like I might have, I've definitely probably seen characters from that one, but I, I couldn't put, like, I couldn't picture them in my mind right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, Danganronpa rant over before <laughs> I fucking go off the deep end and start 
listing off conspiracies. But yeah, that's the big game. Uh, Danganronpa S. Oh yeah, then there's Danganronpa S, but like you don't need to play S to get anything. It's basically the fan service game. Of course, there's a fan service game. Where it's like, hey, w- 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 what if all the characters from the three main games played a board game together? That sounds like some really riveting game. Or it's like an action, bo- an action board game RPG type. It's weird. It's supposedly like an improved version of the mini game in V three, but like it's it's just weird. And that's where I'm gonna stop the dang it top top talk. And uh, yeah, those that's what's everything that's coming out this week. And with that, it's time for us to talk some other things. And here's what we're t- discussing this week in the game lounge, covering a variety of topics with his weekly guests. Here's what's going down this week in the game lounge. And to start us off. Uh, Joy, why don't you hit us with an intro for our first topic? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! A children's card game uh, that everybody knows and loves. Card games Um, on motorcycles! Yes, I recently finished uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds. Ooh, nice. um, And I was very salty because I was watching the dub, and it kind of ended in the middle of the, the Grand Prix arc. And... I was very upset because I was looking forward to seeing the Nordic beasts in the anime because that was the first archetype I played. Oh. And it didn't get that. I didn't get that far because the dub ends before those episodes. I was very, I was very upset. Are you going to go and watch the subbed episodes or? I might. Because I I know that like the ending of 5D is like the last couple of duels that are done in it are like supposed to be like really fucking good. That is what I've heard. I need to watch 5 I'll do it eventually. I have a lot more anime to watch first. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Le- legit, off topic. When it comes to watching shows, I am behind on like four shows right now. Three, oh no, three. I'm on three. I finally got finished one of them and I still have three left. Yeah, especially being in quarantine for almost, what, like two years now. I have taken to watching YouTube and Twitch streams because I can kind of watch them passively while I do other things. Whereas anime and like... TV shows that you're really invested in kind of need your full attention. And I am the queen of multitasking and I can't devote my entire attention to just a TV show. So that's why I'm so behind on anime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the start of quarantine, I actually, it was, it's actually kind of funny that you bring that up because the start of quarantine, I was watching arc five and I, oh, watched, nice. I watched all of arc five and it, it's definitely, it's such a phenomenal Yu-Gi-Oh series. Like, I think it's one of the best. Yeah, I still have to watch Zexel and Dark Five and Vrains. I've I've heard a lot of good things about Arc Five, though. Our Arc Five, both Arc Five and Vrains are really good. I watched the first, essentially, the, all, like almost the entirety of the first season of Vrains, and Vrains is really good. They did a really good job. Now, I watched it subbed though. Like I wa- I watched it when it was like coming out weekly, and I'm like, damn, this was it was actually like really good, um, and I I will say Vrains really suffered hard when they dubbed it. I I have heard bad things. I've heard the worst things about Zexel. I've heard that that dub is gar like hot garbage, and of course I'm still gonna watch it dubbed. Yeah, because it's funny. Oh yeah, because it's funny. Legit, it's how we like grew up with Yu-Gi-Oh! Is watching the OG dub of yeah. Duel Monsters. 
And I like that they carry over, especially because of like the four kids dubs, they carry over some of their voice actors. So like my favorite character, this might be a conversation for later in this topic, but my favorite character from Yu-Gi-Oh! GX and my favorite character from Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds both have the same English voice actor, which I didn't know when I decided that they were my favorite characters. Wait, who? Um, I, I know one. I know one that's Sarah voice actor, but who? So who? Who is it? So Crow and Jesse. So Jesse from GX and Crow oh. from Five Ds. I, yeah, I knew Crow was your favorite character too, because I see your. T- I, we've we've had conversations where you just gush over Crow. Yes, but I was upset because Crow's voice actor changed like three quarters of the way through the dub, oh. and I was very upset. Okay. But then he comes back for when he appears in Arc 5? Yes, he does. Crow... Essentially, when Crow makes his appearance in Arc 5, you can expect Crow for the rest of the of that series. I'm so happy. That makes me happy. And it's the original voice actor, too, which is even better. Nice. Yeah, Crow, Crow is a great character in Arc 5. Like, they, they, like, the version of Crow that's... I mean, it's essentially the same Crow, but it's still fucking great and everything. I'm... The one that I and I learned it recently, you say Fudo mm-hmm. shares a voice with I think it was Tristan. That is hilarious. I did not know that. Yeah, and that was it was on TikTok that I see this. It's like yeah, Tristan and you say are the same voice. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Hello, that's, that's crazy. It's funny because yeah, the, the, I feel like their voice... I mean, I don't remember how Tristan's voice sounded because I watched so much Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridged that I... When I think of Tristan, I think of that voice. Yeah, that I just... It just, it just goes to the party. Hey, guys, in a few hours, the sun will rise. Yeah, so, but when I think... When I, like, really listen closely to, like, Jesse's voice versus Crow's voice, I'm like, you know, they both kind of have, like, a little bit of that... Like, I mean, Jesse's is much more pronounced with the southern drawl, but, like, you hear it in Crow, and I'm like... I can hear it. I hear it. I can tell. I don't, I don't know. With with Crow, I I feel like Crow's a much much more rough. He does like a, a a rougher voice with it. Yes. I don't really hear the South when I do hear dubbed Crow. Now dubbed Jesse, I can't say much because legit with GX, I I dropped off on GX after the first season, so I only know what happens in the second and third seasons of GX and the fourth, thanks to um. Legacy of the Duelist, really. Yeah. Which is just, which is the abridged version. I, I know in the second season, they go back to Battle City and they go deal with Sartorius's sister and all of that stuff. And then, like, her goons and whatnot. And then Cyrus and Tyranno ter- get turned into a, a dinosaur and a train. Car, yes. <laughs> Yeah, that, that you see, I know that because of just what I watched back when the show aired on TV and whatnot. And I'm like, I remember that specific moment, and I remember Jaden dueled a guy where Yugi dueled strings for Slifer, and the guy's name was T Bone. Yes, and there was a lot. I remember various random things about GX. Yep, some of the some of the episodes in GX were a total fever dream. Like I made a TikTok about. Um, like how uh, Tyranno got like his obsession with dinosaurs, and it's because he broke his leg. And yeah, he has a dinosaur, a dinosaur bone, bone in him, and that gave him dinosaur DNA, and he turned into a dinosaur and flew up into space. I'm like, if I'm telling somebody this, it doesn't even it's it does it sounds like I'm making it up. 
It doesn't yeah. sound real. It, yeah, GX had a lot of weird stuff. Especially, I feel like season one was like the weirdest. So had a lot more weird stuff because there was that one guy who actually like what he put when he stole Yugi's deck that was brought to the school. He's just that. like he became essentially like a mock pharaoh with the voice and everything. Yeah, and then there was a uh, Moki Moki guy. I like that guy. Uh, what's oh, what's his name? It started with a B, I think. Belowski or something Belowski, like that. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> and he got every he, like it, everyone was basically acting like they were high. No, they were falling asleep. I thought. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. yeah, it was like. Both. And Jaden was like the only one unaffected by it. And uh, then they duel. And it's just <laughs> look at all the Moki Mokis. Yep, the giant one. And then, yeah, Moki Moki King. Moki Moki King. Yeah, Chaz being able to talk with the Ojamas. Yeah, GX, I feel like GX would be the best Yu-Gi-Oh! season or the worst one to watch high. Yeah, because uh, when you're watching it, you already feel like you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, all the other ones like have like a pretty good plot point plots going on. Like Yu-Gi-Oh! It goes arc by arc. It was good. With uh, 5Ds, it's the Dark Signers and then the tournaments. I was about to say the Dark Signer arc in 5Ds was like, it was so good because like there was, ac- it felt like there was real conflict and like shit was going down. Whereas yeah. I guess who was Sartorius in GX? Like it just doesn't, it doesn't hit the same. Yeah. The, 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 what was it? The Legion of White or something like that? Oh yeah. The Society of Light. The Society of Light. Yeah. That yeah. was, I mean, it's a better plot point because of like with where, where Aster also gets involved in that. Like there's some cool points in that. It's just, it's still kind of weird though. Cause like there's that one episode where Bastion goes off the rails. He's like, I'm going to go beat the fucking Society of Light to join him. And then he realizes, oh, wait, if I want to join, I got to fucking throw this duel. Lose, yeah. Like, okay, I'm also going to say they did Bastion dirty. They I agree. They do that man so dirty. Like, he's cool season one. And then the second he loses his duel with Tanya for the the Shadow Seekers. Uh, the Shadow Riders. Yeah, he kind of becomes a loser. Yeah, he just kind of goes downhill. And then it's like his redeeming thing is like when they're all in like that weird monster dimension in the third season. When like That the was world's... with Yubel, I believe. Yeah, I didn't like that arc. <laughs> I feel like the ending was very weak. I mean, and also, that, that like, one's Zane also died. super weird. That one's also super weird because the dark like and also i'm just gonna say this on legacy of the duelist part they show nothing of like dark the dark king Jaden arc they like don't deal with that at all in legacy of the duelist and i feel like they should have because that's like a that's like a huge gap between when they entered the world after beating thelonious viper to Jaden going to duel you bell there's like a whole whole box there of Jaden being fucking evil yep Yep, and it just it can confuses me. Yeah, but yeah, and then it ends, and then it's like, oh yeah, then that was like the first instance of yeah, the last season, season four, is only in the sub because we don't know how to deal with Zane having cancer. No, it wasn't cancer. Didn't he have a heart condition? Because he like I thought oh, it was something got off like on electrocuting himself. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> okay, it was it was. I thought it was cancer. Zane was doing not good. Yeah, Zane, I'm pretty sure he died at the end. No, Zane, or like it was implied that he died. No, because he sh- uh, when Jaden's dueling Nightshade, uh, Zane appears th- in the background with all the friends. Nightshade, oh. Night Shroud. 
whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, the fucking skeleton man with the hood that you duel in Legacy of the Duelist. Who's yeah. like Who like if you if you did if you watch the anime from start to back, you're like, who the fuck is this guy? Because it's not in the dub. And yeah, there's a lot. Season four of GX is like a like I said, GX is a fever dream. And then you get into Zack Soul, and you just want to rip your eyes out. With the specifically with the dub, I, the subs all right. Like I, I feel like season two of Zexel kind of gets going when they do the whole when they deal with the Baronians and whatnot. But I don't know Zexel's Yuma's. I just really dislike Yuma. Yeah, I heard Yuma's like the worst protagonist. He definitely That's... is. Yeah, it's his deck is kind of decent. Like the number cards are really cool. Like I think that XZ summoning is also like one of the a really top-notch summoning method chef's kiss and all that stuff <laughs> but like man why they have to be kids yeah and then you get to arc five where they're like yeah maybe like a little bit older than yuma and his crew but it works it's like what if we made zexel good and that's what you get with arc five and it's just so mm. i feel like watching arc five is going to be hard for me because that's where pendulum summoning was introduced and i still don't understand pendulum summoning they, they do I understand a really good job with else. It. they do a really okay. good job with pendulum summoning of like showing it off especially with the first couple of episodes where literally episode two yuya fucking doesn't even know how he did it in episode one he's just like how did i do it and it's just like, yeah, no, he 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 literally blacked out to do it, and which you understand later as the season goes on of how he was able to kind of know how to do it. Well, it's it's good to know that even the characters don't understand how pendulum summoning works. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, best characters, best the best character in that show. Um, in my it's favorite, Tenjo, right? Um, my favorite character is actually Silvio, Silvio Sawatori, legit, and I think you'll he. Especially when Crow comes in, he bonds with Crow really hard. Ooh. And when you reach uh, the third season of Arc Five, legit, like Silvio just becomes. It, it, it's just like you see Silvio grow the most of like mm -hmm. all the characters because he starts off as like the asshole rival, but like um. the main rival of the show, Declan, as well. He's also really good. Fucking Declan, also Chef's Kiss. Off of the, the anime, because, like, obviously the anime is, like, the huge form of the media, but, like, it's actually a physical card game, too. <laughs> it sure is. I, the only thing I care about is the anime, though. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm what kidding. Is that, so what d got you into Yu-Gi-Oh? So, as I said earlier, I have two older brothers that are gamers, and they did a lot of card game gaming as well. So um, they had a friend who had a lot of money. So he would just buy us cases and cases and cases of you, whatever the new um, Yu-Gi-Oh set would be to come Dang. out. So we would just sit there in my brother's room, opening packs and packs and packs of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And it's so cathartic just opening like a billion packs of Yu-Gi-Oh cards in one sitting. Oh yeah. Um, and then they built me a deck. They're like, this is a beginner friendly deck. And I didn't realize Synchros came out 13 years ago until I saw a TikTok about it and it made me feel really old. Um, but yeah, they made me a synchro deck with Nordic Beasts, which is why I was sad when I didn't get to that arc. Um, but yeah, I had a Nordic Beast deck um, with a lot of really good cards that I found out like more recently were super expensive and I was like, oh, neat. Um, <laughs> neat. But I entered one tournament with that deck and I lost like horribly because Nordic Beasts were never good in the meta. 
Ah. Um, which I didn't know because I didn't know anything about the meta. I was like, yeah. oh, I have a deck now. I can I, enter. I, I still don't know shit about the meta. Neither do I. I only know what my TikTok friends know. I feel like that's the thing about Yu-Gi-Oh, though, is because, like, unlike the other card games where it's like, hey, you can only use cards up from, like, this set onwards. Yu-Gi-Oh, you can use every single card that's ever been released still. As long as it's not on the ban list, you're able to use it. And that's, like, the big thing about Yu-Gi-Oh, is just, like, the diversity that your decks can have. Yeah, it's it, which is funny because you say the decks because there's so many different archetypes from like all of the years. Mm, oh, God. But only a handful of those archetypes are quote unquote meta relevant. So at the first tournament I entered um, this year, uh, I saw two of the same deck when I fought when I because I had four different rounds and two of the decks that I played were the same because those were the top decks in the meta. What were the, what uh, were the so, top decks back then? Uh, well, not back then. That was this year. Oh, oh okay. What, what, what were they still, though? Um, so they were Phantom Knights, which um, the so the thing I don't really like about Yu-Gi-Oh! now is every I mean, I guess it kind of has always been like this, but it's very combo heavy. So these guys would be like link, like summoning link monsters and then using these links to summon other link monsters and their turns would go on for like 10 minutes. And I'd be like just sitting there, like not following what they're doing and be like, OK, are you done? Like, can I go? Are you going to attack me? Um, and so, uh, I kind of got bored really quickly. Um, and around in this tournament was 45 minutes and they would take like most of the round. We would take most of the round just based on their moves. God, I feel like to make Yukio a lot better is they should have a chess timer for your turns so that if it runs out, you just, you're just, you just lose. I would like that. I feel like that would. I, would, I feel like that would heavily change the meta to make it like okay, small combos and whatnot. And I, I feel like it would balance it out for a lot more of the casual players too to maybe go to more of their tournament scenes without worrying too much about the combo heavy people. Yeah, because it is very daunting, like sitting there while like knowing. Sitting there while he plays his combos menacingly. Yeah, exactly. I'm just sitting here, like, watching. I'm like, okay, wait, can you explain what that does? Like, I'm just letting the combo resolve and waiting for them to be done. And I'm just like, okay, so how does this affect me? (laughs) And I just have to wait for it to be done and be like, okay, so are you going to attack? And, like, it's a lot of show for like not a ton of result it feels like yeah yeah i've and like the very few tournaments that i went to were like very local and this was like when when was it it was just as pendulum was coming out so xz's were a part of it i don't even remember what i went up against i i i did like the couple of rounds and it was like over in a flash i'm like but also, my first deck was complete trash. Like, I didn't even have, like, a theme for my first deck. I'm just like, I have relinquished? Yeah, because until you, until you understand the game, you just kind of put in all the cards that look cool. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did, too, until I met people on TikTok that uh, are very well-versed in Yu-Gi-Oh! and helped me redo all my decks to have them be somewhat meta-relevant, but still not super meta-relevant, because they're not combo-heavy. Yeah, I think of the... I think I have, like, 30-something decks. I think maybe three of them are, like, 
intro tournament decent. And that's my... Uh, and this goes on to my next question. What are your current decks? Because currently, I run a Cyber Dragon deck because I love Cyber Dragons so much. Thanks to Mr. Zane Truesdale. Um, I have a Performa Pal deck that you, has heavy use of Pendulum Summoning. Yep, I know. And, <laughs> I know those cards. Oh, what was my third one? Oh, oh, uh, Lightsworn? Lightsworn. Oh, wow. I haven't heard Lightsworns in a while. It's a very shit Lightsworn because I think it only has like one Synchro card in it. Yep. Because it, it's just with what of like the two thousand ish cards I have, that that's what I was I was I was able to make like a like like I said they're pretty shit decks and they're really more for just if I ever have friends over who are also into Yu Gi Oh but they don't have their decks I have a variety to pick from. Yeah. See, I'm the opposite. I only have the decks that my friends help me build. So I have my uh, Paleo Frog. So as I said before, I used to play Nordics, but Nordics suck. Yeah. So now I play Paleo Frogs, which are um, like use wetlands and uh, a bunch of level two aqua type monsters um, with wetlands that boosts them by 1200 attack um, to summon totally awesome and other like Ixie monsters. Uh, totally awesome basically can negate like any card activation or effect activation. Oh. Um, and then you can set it on your own field. So. Uh, the saying with totally awesome is hippity hoppity. Your cards are now my property, um, <laughs> which is my favorite thing ever. Um, so like any I, card. Yes. So it can be a monster activation or a spell or trap card activation. It's like multiple. It could be like multiple per turn or is it only one per turn? It's only once per turn. Oh, okay. But if you summon multiple totally awesomes, then you can oh, activate you that effect a few times. I gotcha. Okay. So. So like three times essentially. So mm-hmm. that yeah that that fucking that yeah if you don't have things ready to fucking set up okay 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 yes and then um my other deck that's not I haven't finished building it IRL yet but it's a counter fairies deck so basically you use um the agents monsters so like the agent of mystery earth the agent of whatever jupiter like all of those fairy monsters um and you use those um with counter traps and other fairies that can counter uh other cards so basically it's kind of it's kind of an unfun deck from what i'm gleaning um because you're just countering everything that your opponent does and you can also use those um the agent monsters to summon master hyperion and what Master Hyperion can do is he, if you um, remove a agent, or actually it might just be a light fairy monster. If you remove one of those monsters from play, you can um, destroy a card on your opponent's side of the field. And if Sanctuary in the Sky, which is a field spell, is on the field, then you can do that twice per turn. So Master Hyperion's pretty broken. God damn. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. He's one of my favorite monsters. Moving on back to the the topic of tournaments, um, aside from like locals, which are held by like the card shops and whatnot, does Konami like have like a good part within their con- competitive scene, or do they kind of just stay out of it? So I haven't su- been super into the competitive scene for that long, but Konami does sanction even these card shop tournaments. So oh shit, um, if you go onto Konami's website and you type in like your zip code or like your state or something, it'll tell you what card shops near you. Um, hold official Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments oh, because you cool. get 
you get OTS packs when you enter Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, like official ones, um, which basically have special cards that you can only get in those OTS packs. Oh, damn. Um, you also get an official Konami card um, that like lets you enter into any Konami tournament. Oh, wow. Cool. That's really cool. So I have one of those. Damn. Yeah. It was cool because um, my first tournament that I entered this year, I got you get two OTS packs from the shop that I go to. And in my first pack, I opened it and got a, I think, a $130 card, which was pretty neat. Nice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> nice. Um, and obviously, so Yu-Gi-Oh! is still one of, like, I guess you could say the big three card games that are out there. Compared to the other two of Pokemon and Magic, where does it fall? Where would you say it falls within, like, the... Just, like, competitively and then casually, where does it fall? I think out of all three, just from my general knowledge, I think Magic has the biggest competitive scene. I know there's, like, Grand Prix and huge worldwide tournaments. I mean, I'm sure it's like that for all of them, but the one I hear most about is Magic. Um, And I tried to learn Magic, but I could not really understand it. Magic's (laughs) great. Like, I know how to play magic but i also can i only know how to run my two decks for magic and it's the it was like a battle box set for magic that i got yeah magic um is a weird one and then pokemon i think i used to play it when like the cards were a lot simpler when i was a kid yeah the pokemon game i think has changed the most just because of like like back in the days it's just like ah regular cards the attacks and now it's just like I evolve it into this VMAX thing, and then there's the cards that are four pieces now, and ugh, I, I carumbo. Yeah, it's, I think Pokemon has definitely been overhyped the most, especially with like the Pokemon pack openings on Twitch and stuff like that. Um, people only care about the value of the cards now, it feels like, which I care about the value of Yu-Gi-Oh cards, but it's, it's never going to measure up to how big Pokemon is. I, I feel like the other thing is like it's a much easier way to tell the the rare Pokemon cards than it is for the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Because I don't even know the rarity system for Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Oh, I do, but that's because I sell Yu-Gi-Oh cards on TCG Player. Okay. Um, So I've had to learn the rarities just so you can list them properly. But it'll like show you, it'll tell you what rarities um, the card are, uh, the card is depending on the set. So it's, it's not that hard. And like some of the rarities look way cooler. Like I like secret rares a lot. Um, yeah, secret rares are. Oh god, what are secret? I, I've. It's the diagonal holographic pattern, basically. Gotcha. Okay. And then I also like the premium gold rares, which are in the maximum gold box. So um, that was actually just released uh, a few days ago. The yes. Eldorado maximum yeah, the Eldorado, gold box, yeah. and that has premium golds in it, which are very pretty but very bendy. <laughs> they have like the gold border outline, correct? Yes, and then the mon or the like art itself also has gold foil okay. on it. Okay. Yeah. What is the highest rarity for Yu-Gi-Oh? Um, I don't know if there's a highest rarity per se. Um, I know ultimate rares are pretty uh are one of the most crazy ones. I don't even know if they're made anymore. Um, from what I've heard. Um, but ultimate rares are probably one of the most sought after. Some of the ultimate rares that I've seen, also ghost rares. So an ultimate rare has a texture. Um, it kind of, um, if you like, when you're a kid, you have those notebooks with the ridges on it and you scratch your nails across it, it makes that fun noise. Um, that's kind of what the texture of an ultimate rare is. And then ghost rares, um, 
You can only see the art depending on the angle because the card, like the art itself is white or silvery. Um, and so it's, it looks kind of three-dimensional. And that's um, those are you can find in like Ghosts from the Past and other like special packs like that. Oh, okay then. It's very hard to explain ghost rares yeah. without showing them. Yeah, it's I, I, that, like that's like a big thing with like card descriptions. Like at least with uh, I, I would say I think Pokemon does do the rarities a little better because you know you, you have your hollows or whatever, but you know like like some of the rarest cards are the big rainbow Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. With Yu Gi Oh, I feel like I had someone on TikTok who is obviously been into Yu-Gi-Oh! longer than me. He, like, went through every single rarity and explained the difference, and I was like, how do you remember all of this? But, like, now that I've been into it a bit longer, I understand it better. Back to tournaments and whatnot. From what you've experienced, should more be done for these events, or is what they're doing working, and they should just keep working with the, a system that's that they've got? Um, I mean... I can't say much because I've only been to one little card shop tournament, but I mean, they, it was ran very well. Um, everyone there was super nice. They, we were all wearing masks because, uh, Panorama, um, <laughs> Panera bread. Yes. And <laughs> as someone who's been to like esports tournaments, like I have been going to smash tournaments since 2017. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really good environment, very welcoming. It's an, even though I was the only fe- like girl there, it's, everyone's super easy to talk to, and it was, it was very nice. So I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. Uh, here's a big question, kind of loaded, might make a, both of us feel old or whatever. Is there a generational gap uh, with the Yu-Gi-Oh fans? Oh, absolutely. So I am in a Yu-Gi-Oh group on Facebook. Uh, I don't know why I'm in it, but I just joined out of curiosity. And every other post is older Yu-Gi-Oh fans saying the game is not the same with synchros and Ixies and links and pendulums, and they should take these out of the game and blah blah. Like complaining about all of the new the new um, gameplay mechanics. And I was like, well, no, you know, there's a format for that. If you don't want to play with those, it's called Goat Format, and you can play with all the banned cards you want. And you don't have to play with Ixies or Links or Synchros. And you can play like you're playing dual monsters with Yugi and Joey and Tristan. So. Even though Tristan only dueled twice? <laughs> yeah. I I wanted to say Kaiba and then my mine went to Tristan. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just stupid hearing all these Yu-Gi-Oh boomers complain when it's like, what's there to complain about? You see, I wasn't even th- talking about the Yu-Gi-Oh! Boomers. I was more talking about the Yu-Gi-Oh! Zoomers. See, I don't have a and problem the, with Yu-Gi-Oh! The other, Zoomers. Th- th- that's my thing, though. It's like, are there really any... Like, I... Of, w- of course, though, it's just the content I see, but I barely see anybody under... In the, like, young crowd play Yu-Gi-Oh! I rarely see that. No. Kids only play Pokemon. I was going to say, I think Yu-Gi-Oh is more of like a mid... Like, I feel like the older people play Magic, and then the kids play Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh is kind of the middle of the line. That's where I see mostly. They grow out of Pokemon, and they're like, well, I want to play a card game again, and then they remember, oh, what was that one show I saw on TV with the cards? And then it goes one of two ways. It was either Yu-Gi-Oh, which is like 90% of them, or that odd 10% that go like, oh, yes, Duel Masters. Yes, exactly. Which is just a dumbed, uh, I say dumbed down version of Magic the Gathering, but they made it like 20 times difficult. 
20 times it's just like what the fuck uh, Duel Masters was so fucking it's just like hey what if Magic Gathering had a TV show well how are we gonna advertise it fucking Duel Masters that's how I've actually never heard of that You really? Yeah, it yeah. was uh, Wizards of the Coast had a hand in making Duel Masters because it was to appeal Magic the Gathering to the younger crowd. Huh. Yeah. Well, I guess it didn't really work because I don't know anyone under the age of like 25 who plays Magic the Gathering. I, I, I guess I know a few people, but that's because also me and my boy Scott got them into it. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like unless you you're influencing a small child to get into that sounds weird. Yeah, but you're in, uh, I mean, you, a younger I, you, sibling you gotta to get start, into you, like magic. You start them at birth. It's like the yeah, first, exactly. you make sure that their first words are da da duel. Yes, and, gotta start uh, them young. And when and when uh, uh, your grandpappy passes away, you just say he's just passed on to the shadow realm, little Timmy. Exactly. God. God, imagine telling a kid that it's like, oh, they're not dead. They're just in the shadow realm. Well, the shadow realm is like eternal damnation, pretty As- much. I, like I mean, they're yeah, being tortured constantly. Like, is that more family friendly than like than just being dead? I don't think so. I think I I made a TikTok about this, but that's just weird. Yeah. Ah, ah, the shadow realm. The good old days of the shadow realm. Yes. Did they? Did, okay, with the dark signers of how they had to like deal with like certain characters getting taken and whatnot was it the shadow realm or was it something completely different they went to like the netherworld i believe oh, they should just i feel like they should have just kept it with as the shadow realm legit just keep it consistent with it everything mm-hmm. i they, know because they kept it consistent with gx when they dealt with gx because i mean well but even though gx is a direct sequel of the original Yu-Gi-Oh, though compared to everything else. And I guess that Zaxel is the direct sequel to that because uh thanks to the singular character in like seven seconds of a scene uh of Jesse Wheeler. And then that one guy oh, saying, yeah. Yo, is that Joey Wheeler? No, it's his cousin Jesse. That is one of my favorite scenes in Five Ds. I was like crying. I thought it was so funny. It's like seven seconds and it goes by really quick. But it's just like it's so hilarious because it's just like Joey Wheeler, but if he had glasses. Yep. Uh, and he has the same voice. Same voice. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like also like the cameo. I feel like that was just done because of like, hey, Easter egg. Yes. God. Uh, ah, Jesse Wheeler. I should have put <laughs> Jesse Wheeler in one of the filler arcs for the. That would have been series. hilarious. They should have. Like fuck. Like even if, like. Even the filler arc for Arc 5, I mean, no, for uh, 5Ds would be cool, but, like, even, like, fucking the World Tournament arc for the, no, I the Kaiba Cup, I guess is what it's called, arc in the original Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, fuck, it would be funny to have, like, Jesse Wheeler there, too, and, like, even just, like, see the cameos of, like, that would be hilarious, because it's like, hey, it's my cousin Jesse! Hey, Joey, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, I'm doing good! Yeah, yeah. It's just double Joey Wheeler voice. Exactly. It would be that would be the funniest thing. Uh, we've already gone over uh, the U anime, but um, and your fa- uh, what's your favorite story arc though of all time within the Yu Gi Oh anime? I would probably say the Dark Signers arc, like I mentioned before. I like I thought the Earthbound Immortals were like these insanely powerful monsters that were unstoppable that would destroy the world. And then I went and asked my Yu Gi Oh friends, I'm like. Are the Earthbound Immortals any good? And they're like, no, they're terrible. Don't play them. And I was like, now I'm sad. 
Yeah. <laughs> but like they, the show makes them look so cool. I mean, they, I'm like, the show it, makes a lot of cards look cool. True. But like I think the Earthbound Immortals like even had a different animation style. Like they were 3D kind oh, of. Oh yeah, they were. Yeah. Me remembering all of those OG four kids commercials where they were like, "The Earthbound Immortals are coming," and then it was shown like uh, the bird one because I think that's yeah. the one that I would see. It's like, oh my god, they look so scary. What have they done to Yu Gi Oh? It's scary now. Yeah, like it made it seem like, oh my god, they like it, Yusei could have died. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is like hardcore now. This isn't like children at school, like wacky wahoo adventures of Jaden Yuki and his friends. This is like real stakes. But then I found out the Earthbound Immortals like suck in the actual card game. And yeah, it made no, me they're, sad. yeah, it's, it's supremely easy to counter them, surprisingly. Yeah. Okay, um, and as for me, um, Again, with what I watched, I think the best arc is the, it is the, uh, oh, what is it called? The Friendship Cup Tournament in Arc 5, which is Season 2, mm-hmm. which is when they go to the 5Ds dimension. The Synchro Dimension is what it's called. That's, ah. a, that's like, real, that that whole, their whole, the whole time that they're there, it's really good stuff. You are really selling me on Arc Five right now. Because legit, okay, so legit, like season one, it's your standard. Um, the first couple of episodes are your standard. Meet your cast. They do some duels. A little bit of like long term plot stuff kicks in, and then it goes to the first tur- the first tournament, which is like everybody's entering it, and it really shows off the the main gimmick aside from pendulums, which were action duels, because the duelists would run around. A basically like a battlefield to pick up action cards which could do various effects as well in the middle of a battle like let's say huh. you take half let's say you're about to get attacked you can run from that attack until you and if you outrun it and find an action card you can like negate the damage or take half damage that seems kind of broken <laughs> it, it, it is at times you can fucking ride your monsters as well because yuya rides odd eyes a lot of the time I have seen that. I So that's one of the things I saw that people didn't like is like the weird 3D sections. It, it's when legit. They their Only monsters. specific monsters that got that treatment. Like the I main... mean, it's just like in Legacy of the Duelist when they summon their boss monsters, basically. Yeah. Like, I think the only monsters that do that are the four main dragons. Like, and that's just because I, I, I don't want to, spo- but it, it's just because that's, that's just the case of it. I'm going to leave it at that. Cause I don't want to spoil anything super hard there. Uh, but then it's like shit goes down and they got to do go dimension jumping essentially. Um, and the tournament was all like a semi, like it was like, I was like, okay, who, who are we going to bring on this? Like interdimensional mission. And that's what the tournament was all for. And so then they go to synchro world shit goes down, but then they go enter the friendship cup. And uh, it's a really good, like, Crow, there's another character who's friends with Crow, who's like, I believe, I don't think he was in 5Ds, I cannot remember his name, but he runs an ant deck. And he's a really cool character too. He's only in that arc though. And then when they deal with all that, they then go to the Xyz dimension uh, and the Fusion dimension. And, uh, well, it's also, like, really cool stuff that happens there. I, the second arc is still, like, super... It's, like, the second arc is really what hooks you, I think, the most about arc five. And that's why it's, like, my favorite arc of all time. But on the flip side of that, 
What about the who's your least favorite character, or, or who you think is the worst character, and what's the worst story arc? Dang, I gotta think about like unlikable characters. See, I'm gonna sound like so, like so mean, but I really hated Cyrus at like the beginning of uh, GX. I thought he was like a loser, and he was so annoying. But he does have a really good character. Like re- he does have a good redemption arc. Yeah, and I do appreciate it. But like Cyrus at the beginning of GX is like the most unlikable character ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really he, he really of like all the side char- of all like the sidekicks, he really starts off as the the wimpiest of the bunch but like i think that was done intentionally because it's like hey this is legit all of you this was all of you at one point let's be real true which is like it's like but he grows and to eventually to the point where like zane passes his cyber dragons onto him and then he fuses the cybers and the roids yeah, and he uses power bond and stuff like that. Like, I thought it was really dumb, like, the whole episode or the whole arc where he just couldn't use power bond because he didn't think he was, he understood it. I was like, this is way too, way too dramatic. For dude, 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 it's just, the premise. It, it, it's just, use power bond when you know you're going to do lots of damage. Go ham with it and win the duel. That's how you use power bond. You use it when you know you're gonna win, so you don't take the damage yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's your all-out attack, basically. Uh huh. Essentially, persona all-out attack, power bond. Yeah, I I purposely phrased it like that. But we're story. What about story arc wise? What's the worst one? I would say I'm going back to GX, but just the whole uh, arc with Ubel. I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Like it's it's a yeah. card that Jaden sent into space because he thought it would get magic power. I'm like, just again describing. Yeah. These also, yeah, that whole sending things to space to get ridic- magic. Yeah. And the alien thing. Yeah, that's all fucking. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Was not a fan. <laughs> yeah, I I would I might have to second that honestly. Cause there's even some weird shit that Adrian goes through. Cause it's like I got yeah, I, I gotta summon Adrian. I gotta summon Exodius, but in order to do that, I have to tribute my fucking friend here to summon Exodius to go fight uh, Armatile, the fucking sacred beast fusion. Yeah, can I rescind my previous answer of Cyrus and say Adrian instead? I forgot how unlikable he is. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, and again, I Adrian's know shit. A prick. Yeah, he Adrian. seems like a prick, honestly. Um, that that would be my I'm, story arc wise. I, 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 as for the least favorite character, I mean, I could say the entire cast of Zexel. You know what? Yeah, I'm just gonna say the entire cast of Zexel. There's a character named Kite Tenjo. Okay, Kite. Okay, Kite. Kite's all right, but Kite is ten times cooler because of Arc Five. I was gonna say. Whenever I hear about Zexel, I hear just people really, really like Kite Tenjo. Kite's cool, and, so and I guess Shark is like, Shark is also cool. Shark is fine too. Shark is the other character that I I know people like. Yeah, those are like the only good characters in that entire show, and then thankfully they're the other two main characters after a certain point, so it's kind of good. God, uh, you see, here's my. I am also like I I want to talk about sevens a little bit, but I know shit about sevens right now. 
I know that it's airing on like the, the stations that would air Yu-Gi-Oh, but I know zero things about the Sevens anime aside from, oh, hey, Blue-Eyes White Dragon was in an episode. <laughs> yeah, I know nothing about it, too, if I'm being honest. I don't even remember the protagonist's name. I know it starts with a Y because legit that's every other character in the series. Um, I guess the last question um, I do want to ask, what are your thoughts on... How, how you, uh, I guess I should start with, have you played Duel Links at all? So I downloaded Duel Links for all of five minutes, and I opened it, and I looked at it, and I was like, I do not like this. So I have not played it, if I'm being honest. Okay, because I was going to ask what your opinion on the Rush Duel system is, having the three monsters, three spells... And uh, being able to summon all your monsters at once, if you um, uh, as many monsters as you wanted to. Yeah, I unfortunately do not know anything about it. Yeah, all good. Uh, yeah, rush duels are. I still think they're weird. Uh, I I don't think they'll ever be accustomed. I just want a new regular Yu-Gi-Oh season, please, and seven soon, so we can get back to something that everyone could care about. No offense to those who are fans of sevens, but legit, it's. I don't know, man. They change the the way that they change that game so much of just like shrinking it to make it go faster. It's still going by the same length. Let's be real here. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, that's where we'll end the first topic. I'm glad I actually finally got to sit down and talk Yu-Gi-Oh for a time because fun fact: in the closet I recorded, my microphone sits on top of my box of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. That's funny. Yeah, I have a drawer for my cards. So I have like my personal collection and then I have the cards that are listed in my shop on TCG Player. And then like in another drawer, I just have all of my bulk that I'm going to sell once I have enough of it. I, oh, I guess that is one last question I do want to ask you. Roughly, how many cards do you think you own? Um, Let's see. I have about 300 listed on TCG Player alone. Um, I probably in my personal collection have about... Eh, I would say 300 to 400 and then in my bulk right now I have almost 500 so I would definitely I definitely have over a thousand I would say okay yeah I'm roughly the same yeah this is just like going off like estimation because um when I first got back into Yu-Gi-Oh I kind of went ham and I bought a bunch of structure decks and a bunch of packs and I didn't stop and then I was like oh shoot I have a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh cards now (laughs) So I got extremely lucky. So I, when I got back into Yu-Gi-Oh! Hardcore, I still had like my bag of cards that I bought off of like one of my childhood friends because they were selling them and whatnot. But then, you know, I got big back into it back in high school. Um, and I kind of like started this like underground Yu-Gi-Oh! ring because card games were banned at my high school. That's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's mostly because like gambling, and I get like the ga- like like that part. But it's like, but we're playing Yu Gi Oh. You think we're gonna fucking gamble? No. Just side betting. <laughs> yeah, side betting on Yu Gi Oh duels. My God, no. Um, but uh, my friend bought some cards off of another friend that I then bought off of him. And that started my first small collection. I was able to improve the decks that I had on on us to do them better. And then going into college, my first two years of college, um, joined a uh, the Geek Club, I guess is what they were called. I think that's what they were called. Yeah. 
And uh, one of them, he was like getting out of Yu-Gi-Oh! And he had, and the box that I'm referring to that had like a thousand-ish cards roughly, bought that for like, uh, what was it, like a hundred dollars? And uh, yeah, yeah, that's that. Those have been like my biggest. I've bought like a couple of, like another box of like I think it was like a thousand cards for like another hundred dollars, or something like that. And yeah, I ha- basically I have not spent like a super large amount of money on my cards, and I have a lot yeah. of them. I was really sad when I like got back into Yuku, and I was just thinking all of those cards that like I'd mentioned at the beginning. My brother's friend had bought us like we, so I've moved houses a couple times now. Um, but once we moved out of our house, cause my brothers moved out and then my mom and I moved into a smaller house. Um, but once we moved into the smaller house, we were trying to get rid of a lot of stuff. And that means we got rid of all of those Yu-Gi-Oh cards. There are thousands and thousands and thousands that we got rid of. And I was, I'm like, damn, I wish I had kept those because now I would have like had a much nicer collection. And I'm like, damn, that what a waste of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we could have thrown away ones that were actually worth some good money without realizing it. For all you know, Exodia was thrown in the ocean. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even like the cards that I had in my Nordic deck, I looked them up on TCG Player. Like, I am literally holding a $200 card in my hand right now. And I was like, what the frick? It was like huh. a, an ultimate rare Black Rose Dragon, I think. Oh my God. Yeah. So I sold a lot of the really expensive cards to people that would actually give them a good home. Well, with that, I think it's time to wrap up the Yu-Gi-Oh! topic and move on to our second topic of the day, which is a little board game, uh, a little, it's a, it's a decently sized uh, tabletop game, Red Dragon Inn. Yep. One of my, or it is my favorite tabletop game. It's a fun game. I like it a lot. I've play. I have the first set of decks for it physically but i play most i've mostly played it on tabletop simulator <laughs> yes so i have uh red dragon and four which is the um the one with the sea events and then i have two of the sets of two characters and then i have one ally which is like the single set of single character Okay. So I have a little bit of a collection. I would like to get more because I basically am buying the characters as I find like ones I really like on Tabletop Simulator. I'm like, okay, this is one I want to use in real life. So that's how I like decide which ones to buy. If it was me, because I I am a very reckless spender at times, I would probably just get every little, I would get every fucking main box that has a Red Dragon in and then every character deck for it, honestly. Yeah. It does add up, though. I do have a lot of them on my wish list on Amazon, like for my Steam wish or my stream wish list. So um, they're on there. I just haven't bought them anymore for myself lately. But I'll probably buy one of the bigger, like the four sets. Um, Just because all of the characters I have right now are quote unquote intermediate characters, which basically means they're characters with an extra gameplay element, which aren't as great for beginners. Um, so I'd like to buy a, a box of beginner characters. Yeah, get the get the first set with uh, Gurky, Grog, yes. Grog, Dimly, Fiona. Yeah, that the 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 first original cast. Um, but before we really dive into this, uh, explain to the viewers what exactly is Red Dragon in Joy. I'm so terrible at explaining what it is, but basically. <laughs> Imagine if it's like the adventure after Dungeons and Dragons, where your characters are going back to the inn or the pub after a long day of adventuring, 
and they're unwinding by drinking and gambling and uh, spatting with each other, like arguing and fighting. Um, and it's basically, it's a last player standing deal where you just, it's a free for all and it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a really great game. It's very easy to learn too. Yeah. It's very, very easy to learn. Um, you, all the characters, they have their own unique decks and they all have the titles of the cards are great. Like that's not healing self. That's contact poison. Yes. Yeah. All the characters are like, have some really funny cards and like even the drinks and everything has all this fun flavor text. And you like, it just makes you think how much work went into designing all of these characters. And some of the gameplay elements that these characters add are like very complicated. It's like, wow. Yeah. They there's, think some, of this. there's some real complex shit. Like, like some, like a standard, your, your basic tier characters. It's just, they have their deck of cards. That's really it. That's all you have to worry about. But then there are others like there's Pookie, the rabbit, uh, every time he gets hit, his anger meter goes up, and yep. then uh, various things will happen the angrier Pookie gets. There's a lich who has fingers that he can use for stuff. Yes. Um, there's an archer who has a separate deck who can draw various arrows and then fire them all at once with various effects. Yes. Uh, what else was there that I, I, I can remember off the top of my head just of watching achievement hunter play this because that's that's how i got into this game was achievement hunter because they played it on their show let's roll and i'm just like oh this is like i just fell in love with the whole game because they also fucking role played the hell out of the characters that is another way to make the that game fun is i'm not much into role playing my characters i just like reading the names and having fun or the card names and having fun but um i do have a group of friends that does the actual full role play every so often I I think coming me also going into this game from a D and D background was like oh I, there's like the D and D person in me is like oh I have to role play there's like no other way for me to do this except go a little gacky and get a little get a little close to the mic and then get a oh little uh, gacky yeah going yes. uh, an ASMR oh god uh, but what got you into the game. Um, so just like Yu-Gi-Oh, it was all my brother's fault. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally pretty much everything aside from like, uh, even Super Smash Brothers is their fault. Yeah, just being the youngest with two older brothers that are nerds. Um, so they introduced me to Red Dragon and they introduced me to Munchkin, uh, which is another really fun game. Um, and yeah, it's just, we used to play that all the time with their friends and then, I forgot about it for a long time. And then I only recently got back into it because a friend of mine who also has a podcast, um, he invited me to play with um, with him and a bunch of his friends. And I think we had a 10-person game. It was absolutely insane. Ten? Oh, um, my God. Yeah. And we we played Red Dragon in. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to remember how to play this. And I, I, it's, so, it's so fun. And now I, we have, I try to do weekly game nights in my Discord for it. And I recently um, taught our friend Emerald how to play yesterday. Oh hell yeah! Let's go. Yeah, that was we, a lot of fun. We can fun. get uh, get Emerald Savic. Yeah. Get Emerald Savic. Oh, dread. Get a bunch mm-hmm. of us in there. That'd be fucking. Yeah, that would be fun. Oh, Send me the invite to that one. As I pray, to, I'll pray to God that I'm not working that day. I'll just make um make a tabletop role in his Discord so he can ping everyone. <laughs> yes, I will. I would sign up for that. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, wh- who are your favorite characters that you like to play as in the game? 
So thankfully, I own all of my favorite characters. So one of my favorites is Remy. He is a, I don't know what this like species or race is, but he's called a Drents. And he's the first mate on the the Red Drake, which is the boat where uh, Red Dragon and Four takes place. Um, and he has a fun gameplay element where – so he's one of the intermediate characters where he has cards that cause other players to become marked or unmarked. And what marked being marked means is Remy is watching you very closely to make sure you're not misbehaving. Um, and if a par- uh, if another character is marked or unmarked, then his some of his other cards have different effects. So, for example, um, say one of his action cards causes a another player to lose two fortitude, but if the character is marked, then they lose two fortitude and something else happens. So, stuff like that. So, I really like Remy. He's a lot of fun. I also like Rip Snarl, um, who is another intermediate character, and he is a human werewolf, so he can switch back and forth. And that's his big uh, mechanic where he switches back and forth between human and werewolf. And depending on what form he is, his cards have different effects. Um, Yes. (laughs) And when he's a human, because he doesn't like being a human, um, he um, gains fury. So some of his cards, when he's human, cause him to gain fury. And if he has any fury, when he switches back to a werewolf, that fury is used to attack other players basically so he's very angry yeah very angry boy no treatos for him yes he's angry um so those are probably my two favorites okay um as i was going on the little role play earlier um gurky is a favorite he's a very basic character but god damned is is gurky the king of coin (laughs) um and as for a second character it's just because i it's just super funny is Pookie the rabbit god fucking Pookie a fucking playing as a buddy that can drink I think is very hilarious he drinks and he gets angry and he seduces the wench and he also works with Zot so he's he's all kinds of fun yeah it's super fun um so the expansion that you've played so what's the boat expansion because I don't think I actually really know that one so in Red Dragon and 4, um, there was a mechanic that you can add to the game called Sea Events. So how those work um, is you put the Sea Event deck in front of you, or in the center, and it starts with two counters. And at the end of each person's turn, a counter is taken off. Once the last counter is taken off at the end of that person's turn, the event activates and it affects everybody. Oh. And you can't ignore the effects unless you have a card that specifically lets you ignore events. Or if the C event specifically states, you can ignore the effect as though this came from a sometimes card or something like that. Um, So there's some crazy ones like Giant Squid, where everyone loses fortitude. There's Partying with the Merfolk. There's um, Treasure Island. There's Ghost Ship. So it's a lot of like sea-based events. And it's a lot of fun. It adds a whole like new fun element. Yeah. Um, Have you seen any of the other expansions of what they do or know what they do at all? So um, I haven't seen them in person, but I have learned a lot from just playing on Tabletop Simulator. So not uh, in addition to sea events, there are also dungeon events, which are very similar. 
Um, and you can play with both of them at the same time, which is even more fun. Oh, God. Um, it's like we're on a boat, but in a cave at the same time. How is yes. this possible? You're just traveling through dimensions. God. Um, <laughs> and and then there is also a different gameplay mode, quote unquote, where it's called boss battle mode. So certain characters come with boss decks. And basically what you're doing is teaming up with everyone else to try to beat that boss character. I've never done that before, but um, I know Rip Snarl has a boss deck, so I definitely want to try that sometime. I haven't yet, though, because I don't know how. That's interesting. Um, but I have been meaning to look into it. I just keep forgetting. <laughs> hmm. um, do you know about the pub crawl expansion? I have heard about that. I don't know a lot about it, to be completely honest. I think this is like of the expansions. It's the one I know the most about. But it has, again, it's thanks to Achievement Hunter and them playing it. Um, there are You play as uh, the owners of the p- various pubs that you can go to, aside from the Red Dragon Inn. One of them is like a Starbucks parody. Um and each one has its own drink deck. And essentially you're able to, as like, uh, so there are certain cards that have you guys leave that bar and go bar hopping to a- another bar. Oh, and that sounds amazing. Uh, essentially like each bar then closes when, when it runs out of drinks, the bar just closes until you're all back at the red dragon. Inn, and that's where the game would finish essentially. Cause that one still has the drink deck that you can reload. Unlike the other ones. Ah. And it adds that whole element as well. So, um, I think with, like, the Starbucks drinks, a lot of them could, like, heal you and whatnot. I can't remember what uh, some of the other ones were, but, yeah, there's it's it has uh, the multiple <laughs> drink deck uh, mechanic in there. So uh, you can get drunk while enjoying a Frappuccino. That sounds amazing. I'll definitely have to look into that because I haven't been up keeping up with their new stuff. Um, and speaking of their new stuff, they actually, I think it's still in early access for tabletop simulator wise. I don't know when a physical copy will be released, but they're working on a brand new game called tales from the red dragon Inn. I've heard about that one too, but unfortunately again, I don't know a lot about it. Um, the best way to explain this, these are those stories that they're coming to the inn from. So it is a cooperative game that they have, uh, ah. that they're working on where you dungeon crawl to beat a boss at the end of it. Everybody has their own little abilities that they're able to do. Uh, and your goal is to just get through the dungeon, defeating what's in front of you. And trying to not die. Because then they can't go to the Red Dragon Inn afterwards. Ah. Uh, but yeah, it's really cool looking. And uh, definitely, a, it's a lot more complex than just Red Dragon Inn. Um, but it still looks really cool. And if you're a fan of the Red Dragon Inn, definitely check out Tales. Uh, from the Red Dragon Inn. I will definitely check it out. Uh, how do you, how would you, how have you convinced people to get into this game? And how do you I, go about I it? I annoy them. <laughs> <laughs> I annoy them. Um, I say, hey, want to try this really fun tabletop game? Um, because it's better than playing a video game and you can goof around with your friends and it's really easy to learn. Uh, and that's how I convince them. Um, and also like just me saying, Hey, this is my favorite game. I love teaching people. And usually they'll humor me and let me teach them. I mean, Savick, let me teach him. True. I was there. I was there when you did that. That is true. Yeah. If Sav, like if Savick allow, like, will let me teach him how to play this tabletop simulator, your tabletop game, then, uh, anyone can (laughs) because it's Savick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) 
Um, I guess just to uh, end up the uh, this topic, uh, just what are your thoughts on board games in general? I love board games. I think it's amazing how many unique and different board games there are now in 2021. Like even on my on my uh, Amazon wish list, I also have a bunch of other board games that I would really like to have physically. Um, that looks so fun. Like there's this one called Wingspan that I've heard is really cool where you're a bird researcher. I'm like, who would think to make a board game out of that? Um, There's one called Photosynthesis and it's literally about growing trees. Um, And I've heard good things about that one too. Um, There's one that I have that um, is really hard to teach people on Tabletop Simulator, but um, really fun to play in person called Cryptid. Oh, wait, I... do I know this? I, 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 I think I know what this one is. It's where you set up a map as it tells you to set it up on a specific card. And then each person playing has to follow a specific rule. And you're trying to piece together what everyone's rules are to figure oh. out where the cryptid is. Okay, no, I do not know what this one is. But that sounds actually, that reminds me of like a fucking Dungeons and Dragons puzzle that I've had to put together. So that's actually really cool. I like yeah, that one. Yeah, I I really like Cryptid. I learned how to play that when I was on vacation with a friend last year. And we played with her mom, and it was very fun. The only bad part is it you can't – like with Red Dragon, and you can play with two players. It's not as fun. Um, but with Cryptid, you literally cannot play with more less than three players. You have to have three players. Yeah. I think that's like probably one of the downsides to tabletop games is if you don't have like a decent amount of people, they're kind of like, eh, you can't yeah. really play them. And I, and then I think about tabletop games, especially playing in person, is it's just like an excuse to kind of get away from the screens for a minute because I feel like, especially in 2021, we're in quarantine, screens are the only thing that's that are keeping us from eating each other. Like, <laughs> um, it's it can be hard to get away from screens sometimes, especially because I work from home. So I'm sitting at my desk for eight hours a day looking at a screen. And then if I'm streaming, that's another five hours of looking at a screen. I'm watching streams. That's another few hours. So, like, sitting down and playing a tabletop game with your friends, like, put the phones down, banter, have fun, play the game. Like, it's it's a lot of, I think it's criminally underrated. People who don't play tabletop games are missing out. Yeah. I think it's also, like, a big reason, uh, like, board game cafes have, like, really taken off as the years have yeah. gone on. Because there's that excuse of just, like, getting away and being with your friends and doing something with said friends. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites I'll just uh, quickly end off with this with uh, recently um, it's a very uh, I mean, decently complex game it's Talisman um, have you heard of it? I've never heard of that before okay, no. so specifically it's the Kingdom Hearts one because I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan and I'm like there's a Kingdom Hearts board game and so I get it and it's actually really a lot of fun and uh, yeah uh, check it out if you're if you're interested um Anything else you want to add on board games, tabletop games, Red Dragon Enjoy? Um, I would just say I think there's a tabletop game for everyone, even if gaming, even if video games aren't your thing. And tabletop games aren't just limited to like Scrabble and Monopoly and Sorry and all of those mainstream ones. Like some of the uh, like less known ones. I mean, everyone I've mentioned Red Dragon into has loved it. So there really is something. It's just like anime. There's something out there for everyone, even if it might not necessarily be your thing. Got to give it a chance. That's a great way to end that. Um, and with that, it's time for us to get 
to start wrapping this podcast up. It's time for us to jump into the bonus level. Wacky lists, weekly reports, and a look back at video game history. Here's this week's bonus level. And to kick off the bonus level, it's time to head into the community corner where I get questions from my Discord and my followers and all that stuff, and we answer from here on the podcast. Um, starting off uh, from the Poggerator, thoughts on Skatebird being absolutely snubbed from the Game Awards? Um, I did not watch the Game Awards, I'm going to be completely honest. Okay, the Game so... Awards haven't happened yet. Uh, the okay. Game Awards this year are set for December 9th, and Skatebird is not even nominated on there, and he, he's a huge fan of Skatebird. And he he's he is uh, not happy with it. And uh, I will how say, dare they? I, I, how dare they? Skatebird deserves way more. Uh, next question from Actual Trash PhD. He has a doctorate in trash. Best obscure game OST. Obscure game OST. Yeah. Um. Darn. Uh. Is Deltarune obscure? <laughs> Um, I feel like that's Deltarune's not as obscure as it probably would be if considering, social media hadn't brought it up. Cons- considering uh, who it's by and uh, that, ty- that, that fandom. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. In the alternate dimension where the games never took off, yes. Yeah, yeah, in that alternate dimension. Um, see, and Hollow Knight's not an obscure game either, but Hollow Knight's OST is great. Um, especially the DLC, or I guess the content packs, the yeah. extra music with like the boss themes, like some of my favorite bosses are Hive Knight and Nightmare King Grimm, which were added in the content packs. Those have two of the best boss themes because every boss, almost every boss is a unique theme. And I would say those are great. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know. Does Gaia has a pretty good OST? <laughs> okay. Um, I actually really... I, I was racking my brain around this. Oh, wait. Oh, 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 oh. I, okay, it's really going to be weird. Open season for the GameCube. That is very random. Actually, you know what? No, 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 no. I got a better one. Cars for the GameCube. That actually had a really oh good soundtrack. God. Very obscure because it's a Disney video game. Actually, Pixar. no, I do, I do have a more... Um, vague one fantasy star online okay um, fa- it's more mainstream now it's more of a mainstream mmo but blue burst which is the old much much older one that has a really great ost especially when you beat the final boss um yeah it's a great it's a great final song uh next question from connected link uh this one's specifically to me did i enjoy playing distance and would i ever come back to play it more i did i loved playing distance and i definitely do want to play it more um when i get the time to it's just i have a lot of things planned for content coming on the twitch channel um but i will be doing more distance speed runs down the line it's a lot of fun go check out distance by the way listeners if you have not yet it's a really cool game and also a really dope sound actually you know what it's an obscure enough game. The Distance OST. I'm going to use that instead. Um, and lastly, because Sir Wiggles was not satisfied with my answer last week, again, to me, his question is just, why? Uh, he was not satisfied with last, week, last week's answer, and then Link asks him, what answer do you want, Wiggles? And all he says is, Tony knows. I guess I don't, apparently. Because if my answer last week couldn't satisfy you, then I don't know. There's my answer, Wiggles. I don't know. 
Why? I don't know. There. Are you happy? I know you're judging me. Uh, at least I'm not in 25 centimeters of snow right now, Wiggles. God. And yeah, that's the community corner. Uh, <laughs> good questions. Good, good, great questions. Uh, totally not me forgetting to ask my Discord, hey, I need questions uh, at the very last minute before starting this recording. Nope. No siree. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on to top five. Top five Yu-Gi-Oh! Monsters. Um, well, my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh! Monster is uh, Archlord Christia. Um, she's really cool. Uh, you can special summon her uh, if you have four fairy monsters in your graveyard. And while she's on the field, neither player can special summon, which is really annoying because I forget that a lot. Um, I would say Christia, I really like Master Hyperion, as I mentioned before. He's he's beefy um, and totally awesome. <laughs> and totally awesome. So those three. Let's see. I need two more. Um, I do like the... Azira monsters, which are which are the synchro mon- the big baddie synchro monsters in the Nordic deck. So Thor, Odin, and Loki. Um, Odin's the best. Um, just are like uh, objectively, he's the best. Um, and I like the art on Loki a lot. So I would say Odin and Loki probably. Alrighty. Uh, for me, uh, nice and simple. Number five, Cyber Dragon. Number four, Cyber Dragon Dry. Number three, Cyber Dragon Zwei. Number two, Cyber Twin Dragon. You want to guess my number one? Uh, isn't there a, a bigger Cyber Dragon? <laughs> cyber End Dragon? Yeah. That's correct. It's Cyber End Dragon. I was like, what's what's his, what's Zane's boss monster? It's that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, plot twist. No, it's actually a Pot of Greed. That's not a oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm surprised we've actually gone this long without making the pot of greed joke. I was gonna make one earlier, and then I my train of thought derailed, and I forgot. You know what? Good on us for not doing I'm it once. That's another generational gap between uh, Yu-Gi-Oh fans is the younger ones don't understand the pot of greed joke. Yeah, because from what I've seen on TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's one for us. We'll we'll always ask what it does, even though we know damn right what it does, but they don't need to know that. Um, Moving on to This Week in Gaming History. Here's what happened in the past from November 9th to December 5th, 29th to December 5th. Jesus Christ. Uh, On the 29th of 2005, Nintendo released Mario and Luigi Partners in Time for the Nintendo DS in in North America. On Tuesday, on the 30th, 2004, Square Enix released Final Fantasy 1 and 2 Dawn of Souls for the Game Boy Advance in, the Nor- in North America. On the 1st, 1988, Nintendo released Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link for the NES in North America. The game cartridge included a battery for saving one's place in the game. On the 2nd, 2006, Nintendo released the Wii in Japan. And on the 3rd, 2001, Nintendo released Super Smash Bros. Melee for the GameCube in North America. On the 4th, 2011, Nintendo released Mario Kart 7 for the 3DS in North America. And lastly, on the 5th, 2017, Activision and Bungie released Destiny 2 Curse of Osiris, uh, the expansion for the PS4 and Xbox One in North America, which is uh, after that was released. That's where I dropped off of Destiny 2 and stopped playing that game forever. The Achievement of the Week is in Farming Simulator 22, 
I read Shakespeare and stuff, and I tried to find a description of what it does. It's it's one of those games that all of its tr- uh, achievements have flavor text instead of what they are. Oh, I love flavor text achievements. <laughs> um, and the game of the week, I'm giving it to Danganronpa Decadence because it's a good, it's a pretty good. It's if you like Ace Attorney, you'll like Danganronpa. It's a really good comparison to make. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and that joy. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. I talked a lot more than I thought I would. <laughs> Where can we find you on the internet? Um, so I am most active on Twitter uh, at almond underscore joy, and that's a joy with three Ys. Um, otherwise, I do stream on Twitch every at least once a week, except for this past week. Um, at almond joy, that's one word, and that's joy with three Ys again. Um, and then on TikTok, underscore almond joy, spelled the same, uh, underscore. So it's just almond joy, but with underscores on either side. I can never get it consistent because <laughs> it's always taken in some form or another. So everything's a little different. Curse that candy bar. Yeah, really. <laughs> and of course, you can find me uh, over at Tony's Game Lounge on Instagram and Twitch, and at Radio Tony on Twitter, and also Tony's Game Lounge on TikTok, where we post highlights of this podcast. Um, five days of the week, five highlights uh, that you can find on the Twitter, Instagram, and the TikTok uh, to see, just to get little tidbits of this tasty little podcast that we do every week. Uh, Joy, thank you once again for coming on. Yeah, uh, this was a fun time. I would love to come back. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We will definitely uh, do everything in our power to try to get you back for another season. And uh, thank you, the listener, for tuning in once again. Uh, Be sure to like and share the podcast with all your friends, family, and anyone else that you can because it helps us grow. And we will see you next week back here in the Game Lounge. Thank you for listening to Tony's Game Lounge. New episodes release every Monday. Be sure to like and share the podcast and follow Tony on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch for more updates.